Welcome back to Adra Insider. It's funny how things never go exactly according to plan. When we initially conceived of this podcast, we created a schedule of topics to cover each month, corresponding with our theme for 2023, Creating a Just World. ADRA Canada has declared 2023 the Year of Justice, and each month we are highlighting different ways that our agency works for the cause of justice in the world. But of course, the other side of the ADRA Insider podcast is giving you all an inside look at what goes on in a humanitarian organization, and that means that plans are often interrupted by disasters. For the month of February, our plan was to bring you two episodes, one marking the one-year anniversary of the start of the war in Ukraine, and another episode on the theme of upholding equality, coinciding with Black History Month. Then, of course, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria hit, and our priorities got quickly shifted. Those of you who have been following know that our last two episodes were updates on ADRA's work in the Middle East following the disaster. That's just the nature of our work. Things get disrupted by unexpected calamities, and we have to adapt. But make no mistake, we still feel that the themes we meant to cover last month are important, and we are going to consolidate some of that material this month. You will eventually be hearing an episode highlighting Ukraine and everything that's been happening there, and on today's episode, we will be blending together a couple of themes. Given that March is Women's History Month, we have brought ADRA Canada's gender equality specialist, Mahider Yisha, to talk about the work we are doing to empower women and girls around the world. She will especially give us some perspective on the importance of gender equality work in an African context as one way to honor and highlight the importance of global black history. And then, coming back to the fact that we had to rearrange our plans a bit, we are also going to be highlighting the theme that we meant to cover this month, water access. I know that may seem like a lot of different topics, but in actual fact, they all intersect seamlessly in one of our projects in Sudan. And Maddie provides us with some great insight and perspective in a relatively short interview. Additionally, we'll wrap up today's episode with some further insights on what ADRA's work in Turkey and Syria looks like. We'll be hearing about our emergency response strategy from Anita Odandi, ADRA Canada's Director of Emergency Programs. With this episode, we hope to both be informative about the nature of our work and also to highlight the voices of Black women in crucial roles of leadership, authority, and expertise in our own organization. So with all those preliminaries aside, welcome to ADRA Insider. I'm your host, Teresa Ferreira, and let's get right into it. So International Women's Day is a time where we celebrate uh, women's social, cultural, economic and uh, political achievements. The day also uh, marks a call for action for accelerating gender parity. The International Women's Day campaign theme for 2023 is uh, Embrace Equity, focusing on the importance of equity as a means to um, achieve gender equality. Um, this year's team remind ADRA Canada um, to refocus and strengthen um, our equity and inclusion approach to gender equality. 
So as ADRA, we are celebrating uh, International Women's Day uh, by initiating discussion at the grassroots level, by conducting community and social media campaigning and calling for action to accelerate gender equality at different levels. So that was the voice of Mahider Yisha, or as she is affectionately known around the office, Maddie. Maddie is our expert specialist on all things gender equality at ADRA Canada. So when we are implementing new projects or coming up with new ideas, she's in charge of making sure that we consider the ways that gender might be a factor for us or the people we're working with. Now, Maddie is going to tell us about the UASAP 2 project that ADRA implemented in Sudan. UASAP is an acronym that stands for Essential Water and Sanitation and Protection. Yeah, so when I first joined the team here at ADRA Canada, one of the things that really surprised me was just how much the humanitarian world loves acronyms. And you are going to hear a handful of acronyms in this episode. So we'll do our best, both now and in future episodes, to pause and clarify whenever we use an acronym, just to make sure you know what it means. For example, you're about to hear Maddie use the term WASH, which stands for Water, Sanitation, and Hygiene. And that's a designation we use to refer to projects that are connected to water access and other health and cleanliness issues that heavily revolve around water. Before going to describe about the project, let me say some background information about Sudan. Sudan is one of the countries with very poor wash provision and the humanitarian situation also remains alarming, specifically in the Blue Nile region where we, uh, we are operating. And according to current data, more than 64% of the population uh, remains in need of humanitarian assistance. Sudan is also uh, a country with higher gender disparity caused or shaped by cultural and gender norms. And GBV GBV is also a major concern in, in Sudan. Just in case you missed that, that was the acronym GBV, which stands for, unfortunately, Gender Based Violence. Again, according to the UNFPA, 2.7 million women and girls in Sudan are in need of gender-based violence protection and response services. So here we can see how GBV is a great concern in that area. And considering all of existing challenges, ADRA Canada is implementing a multi-year um, emergency water, sanitation, and hygiene and production project implemented in one of the underserved uh, communities in the region. And the project, in addition to making water and sanitation uh, facilities accessible for the community, it builds uh, the capacity of the community and other service providers uh, to mitigate and respond to gender-based violence, including traditional harmful practices in that area. So you've heard about the nature of the project and the issues we're working on in Sudan. But how exactly can water-related projects also address issues of gender equality. Um, as you know, water, sanitation, and hygiene are primary responsibilities of women and girls. Uh, for example, it's the women and the girls who travel long distance to collect water. They are also responsible to keep up with the hygiene and the sanitation at the household level. So uh, wash services in general are critical for meeting the basic needs of women and girls, especially in humanitarian and fragile contexts, where services uh, or resources are very scarce. So investment in WASH will reduce the unpaid work, the unpaid work or burden on women and girls and facilitate participation or increase their participation in education, employment and other leisure activities. Again, uh, investment in WASH uh, also um, 
contribute to uh, a reduced sexual and gender-based violence. In many contexts, women and girls get trapped and abducted on their way to collect water and when they are defecating outside. So bringing services closer will also reduce incidents of gender-based violence in those communities we are serving. So during my visit last year, it was inspirational to see the active involvement of community women as members of community-based protection network uh, in identifying harmful traditional practices in the community, such as early, early forced marriage and uh, FGM or female genital mutilation, in educating the community uh, on the consequences of violence, as well as informing survivors on available services uh, in the area, all in close collaboration with uh, the protection uh, team of uh, the project. I was also inspired to see how the project is using WASH project as an entry point to empower a woman um, to assume a non-traditional agenda roles. In the project, I met women who are uh, technicians and the leaders of the water committees. So uh, in those communities, these positions are left for men or they are like men's position, but this project makes it clear that women, if given the opportunity, can do everything, sometimes with better commitment and equality. Water and sanitation facilities uh, in schools also lead to better education and health outcomes for girls and boys and support uh, girls' menstrual hygiene management. As you know, menstrual hygiene management is often an overlooked but critical or pressing need of girls. So providing water and sanitation will help girls to manage their menstrual hygiene management needs and um, increase their participation and attendance in schools. It really is remarkable to think that something as seemingly simple as how a community manages its water can have such far-reaching implications for gender equality. Now, we mentioned that we wanted to cover both issues relating to Women's History Month as well as catch up on what we missed during Black History Month in February. So here's Maddie offering some of her perspective on what is significant about gender equality work in an African context. So women's um, equality in Africa remains low and progress towards gender parity has stagnated and there is a large missed opportunities there. So gender inequality in Africa is shaped by gender norms, discriminatory laws and practices. And this inequality causes women to be poorer, have less education, and face more health risks than men. Uh, the ongoing crisis in different parts of Africa further exacerbates inequalities by hitting women's hard in their reproductive roles. So uh, we want to change the gender dynamics, for example, by empowering women where they are, by addressing gender norms at the community level, and challenging discriminatory policies at the institutional level. And most importantly, working closely men and boys as an important actors to support women's empowerment uh, and uh, in the fight against gender-based violence. More than anything, I think it's important to remember gender equality is a human rights issue. And if you want to see a peaceful and prosperous Africa, now more than ever is the time to advance uh, gender equality and reduce disparities at all levels. And Arra Canada is actively working to make that a reality. Now, given all of that information, Maddie also gave us a very important disclaimer so as to avoid any kind of undue assumptions or stereotyping. 
Uh, championing or advising gender equality is not only critical in Africa, but it's very important in, in, in other parts of the world as well. Given that this discussion has something particular to do with the context in Sudan, a context outside of North America, we asked Maddie to explain what misconceptions people in the West might have about gender equality. Thank you for raising that important point, Teresa. Uh, Some people from the West think that gender inequality exists only in less developed countries like in Africa, Asia, or South America. But gender inequality is a universal challenge that affects almost every woman in every nation. Uh, The extent might vary, but gender inequality is a reality for every woman. For instance, the number of women in decision-making and leadership position is still low compared to men in the Western uh, in the Western countries. The right to equal to pay is still debatable, and gender-based violence continues to be significant barrier for Western women as as women in the South. Some people uh, might also believe that gender equality strategies that are successful in the West uh, will also be effective in other areas like in Africa. However, this is incorrect. One size doesn't fit all. And each community has its own reality, its own challenge. So our approach to gender equality has to consider the global social-cultural diversity and to have a context-specific strategy to address to those specific challenges. On the other hand, people in the South or what we call traditional communities, believe that feminism or gender equality is a Western agenda. This is not true because women worldwide are confronted by discrimination and inequalities, making gender uh, equality imperative in different parts of the world. So these are some of the misconceptions around gender equality. And there is, I think, a need to dismystify these notions. So we hoped you enjoyed listening to that interview with Maddie. I'm just putting on my producer hat for a second. There are some clips from that interview we had with her that we didn't use for this episode because they are more pertinent to some other topics, but you will be hearing more from her soon. So stay tuned to the podcast. There's going to be more of quite a number of our staff, actually, who are going to be featured on here. And we hope that hearing from different perspectives, different voices is going to enrich your experience with this podcast. And again, as always, give you better insight into what is happening at ADRA Canada, how we're thinking about things, and most importantly, what we're doing. We're going to change gears for a quick second here um, and just return to the topic that did end up taking up most of our February, which, as was mentioned, was the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Now, there's been a lot that's happened. The last two episodes were updates on exactly that, the disaster and the response. But I wanted to give you a chance to hear from the people at ADRA Canada who are in charge of making that response happen. And so we've got a little bit of a clip from Anita, who is, again, the director for emergency response. And I just want you to hear how she describes our process when a disaster like this happens, when this big earthquake or whatever it might be takes place, how does ADRA go about responding? When an earthquake or a quick onset disaster happens, like the one that just happened in Syria and Turkey, 
ADRA immediately responds? And how does ADRA get to immediately respond? Because ADRA is already on the ground. Praise God that ADRA is in over a hundred countries in the world. And therefore, when something like that happens, ADRA offices have already gone through the training of disaster preparedness. We already have people that are trained to respond with food or water or shelter or medicine, something that is life-saving, that is needed immediately. We have expertise in those countries and around the world. And in countries where we do not have an ADRA office, like Takie, for example, we have the Adventist Church. And thank God for the network of the Adventist Church, because we do have volunteers that are ready and willing to respond. So immediately we have a response. And in a few days, maybe one or two days, we have countries that are neighboring the country that has the disaster already sending surge capacity to make sure that a response is instant, eminent, and very relevant to the people that suffer. Seeing how it all works is pretty remarkable, I think. And something I really didn't appreciate until, again, becoming involved with ADRA was knowing that the response could be so different in places so close to each other. As Anita pointed out, we do have an ADRA office in Syria, and we don't have one in Turkey. And because of that, the nature of our response is going to be different from place to place. In this most recent disaster, our response in Turkey is going to look a lot different than what we do in Syria because the response in Turkey is coordinated by volunteers based in the Adventist church. I think this is also an awesome indication to whoever of you might be listening to this somewhere else in the world that your church can very much be part of what ADRA does. And we want to encourage you to consider amongst yourselves, with your pastors, with your leaders, how to get involved in meaningful ways. Because just as the church in Turkey can be part of the response there when an earthquake happens, the church here in Canada can also be part of address response as part of our national programs. And we do work here in Canada. So if you're listening to this and you find yourself saying, this sounds really cool, I want to be involved, well, guess what? You can be. Now, I'm going to pass this off to Teresa in just a second to wrap things up. But I just wanted to say a quick thank you to Anita and Maddie for being part of today's episode. It is awesome to have women who embody a powerful spirit of leadership and expertise and bring that energy and that drive to their work for this organization. I know I found it enriching to listen to their perspectives today, and I hope that you all did too. We hope that you've enjoyed our episode celebrating International Women's Day. ADRA Canada is happy to work in support of women and girls all over the world. We hope that every day is a step toward justice and equity for women. And we hope that this year's Women's History Month is full of learning, growth, and appreciation for women's contributions. Thanks for listening and for supporting ADRA Canada. I'm your host, Teresa Ferreira, and as always, Our mission at ADRA is to serve humanity so all may live as God intended.